Um, hi everyone, I'm uh, Amarnath Amarasingham of Queen's University uh, and I'm here, I'm joined by Dan Byman of Georgetown um, and we're going to be just kind of talking a little bit about uh, what was unique about the Trump administration uh, when it came to the far right, um, the lead up to the January 6th insurrection um, and then some of the challenges or things that we're worried about um, going forward. So, um, so Dan, um, what I mean, you know, we, we both study extremism, we both study terrorism. Um, do you think there was something unique about the Trump administration for, um, you know, extremism in the US, domestic extremism, or is that just uh, something that, that we got wrong? Um, yeah, or unique, or if not unique, that certainly unusual, especially in the more modern era. Uh, what we've seen in the past is administrations try to keep their distance from extremists in their own party, um, even if they had some degree of support, whether that's right or left. And in the Republican Party, uh, Ronald Reagan, George Bush, uh, they condemned the extreme right. And when David Duke, the Klan member, uh, ran for national, ran for Senate, um, his own party urged people to vote against him. And what we saw under Trump was, if not always an embrace, um, certainly a willingness to kind of continue the dialogue and be open to some of the ideas on the extreme right. And rather than drawing a very bright line, there was a graying of the lines in a way that was very disturbing. Yeah, I mean, I think what but what worried me most was, you know, there, there used to be a kind of chasm, if we talk about, you know, media and social media, there used to be a kind of chasm between the extreme fringe in the online space, the, you know, the Alex Jones of the world or... Uh, some of these other alternative platforms um, and what was coming out of the White House, right? So <laughs> there used to be a big kind of gap between those two conversations. And with Trump, I think he he purposefully provided or built a bridge, I guess, between those. And so you naturally had things that arose on 4chan. I mean, QAnon's a good example. You know, things that arose on 4chan um, then somehow ended up in the Alex Jones sphere, which then were retweeted and amplified even further by sometimes Trump himself, um, but also members of his team, right? And so that was something that I think um, was quite unique uh, during that administration, this kind of willingness to mainstream misinformation um, at scale. And what struck me on January 6th was uh, our, our colleague Seamus Hughes uh, called it a kind of bug zapper situation where you had all these really different kinds of extremists show up in one place shouting similar things. So you had white supremacists, QAnon, and much more mainstream uh, simple Trump supporters who thought there was a stolen election. And it's that swirl that has me very concerned that you have this incredible overlap among these different communities that used to be more distinct. And to me, it makes it very hard to predict where this movement's going to go. And I know you've done a lot of work on conspiracy theories. And one thing I'm very worried about is um, not only do you have kind of typical you know, racist or anti-Semitic or anti-Muslim conspiracies that we've seen in the past, but you have a whole range of truly bizarre ones that to me makes it very hard to think in counterterrorism terms about how to oppose this movement effectively. Yeah, I mean, I think I think January sixth was um, quite worrisome on that. I, I mean, it 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 kind of 
brought to one place all these different kinds of organizations with different varying levels of um, hierarchy, varying levels of groupness, I guess. Um, and I think that kind of convergence is something we're going to be worried about going forward. Uh, and then mixed with, um, I guess, I guess the thing that I'm most worried about post-Trump um, going forward is there are significant, there's a significant percentage of the population in the U.S. Um, who is now kind of consumed by this conspiracy theorizing um, has lost, uh, have lost a lot of trust in kind of uh, systems of expertise, um, such as the media, medicine, science, etc. And, and whatever existed in the past has only been uh, increased since since, since then. Um, and so there are significant populations who don't, who believe that Biden is an Ill illegitimate president, who aren't going to vaccinate their children, who, um, you know, continue to consume this kind of uh, conspiracy, conspiratorial thinking. And I think uh, it's actually a huge threat to you know democracy going forward and and, and uh, kind of having a functioning um, government going forward. The the numbers of who reject the legitimacy of the administration are, are staggering to me, mm -hmm. and I particularly worry that this pattern is going to replicate at the state and local level. That you'll have kind of whole areas of the country that really are kind of shutting off democratic discourse and refusing to accept the results of the election. Um, and this is something that, as far as I can tell, it's going to get worse before it gets better, that we haven't figured out a way to restore trust. And we, at the same time, the polarization and the misinformation is growing. Yeah, I mean, I think immediately after November, there was this conversation about reconciliation, right, about, about uh, kind of putting an end to the polarization of the discourse. And I think we've just kind of jumped over that for the time being with, with the Biden administration. Um, that that whoever was polarized on, in November is still polarized, and and we're just kind of next waiting for the next uh, you know waiting for the next election to have that conversation all over again. So, um, I'm keeping an eye on the clock here. We're two seconds in. So thanks everyone for listening.